Hello everyone, Casey Canton. Welcome to the Creepcast on DownrightCreepy.com. Uh, today on the show we have director Fetty Alvarez, the new director of Evil Dead, in theaters everywhere on April 5th. Fetty, thanks for uh, taking the time out to join us today. We really appreciate it, and we are all very excited for your new film, Evil Dead. Hello, guys. How are you Good. Thanks for taking the time. Now, I want to start out with the performances in the film. Uh, Jane Levy, for instance, um, you shot on a long, grueling kind of schedule. I just want to know how you get the most out of your actors, because good actors really make a horror film. It really makes or breaks it. You can say that with any movie, um, but there's so many bad horror films out there. Um, that when a good one comes along, it's usually um, atmosphere, art direction, com- uh, you know, the composition of the film, whatever. But it hinges primarily on the actors and their performances. So can you talk a little bit about um, what it took to get these kind of performances um, with these long shooting days to make such a great film? Thank you. I mean, everything starts, of course, in the pages, right? Like, uh, it's very hard for an actor to give a good performance if, if, if the script sucks, right? So everything starts in the pages, and we put a lot of love in, in, in the characters in general, and we really care about, you know, giving them stories that weren't necessarily related to the supernatural story, right? So each one of them, they have their, they have their journey that is, that is not only plot-driven, but character-driven, so that, that always helps. And, um, and then in the, uh, on the shooting itself, I think kind of my job was kind of uh, exposing them to real things all the time. I, um, that's why we decided to make the film, you know, 100% practical and not use CGI and all that. It was a, it was, it wasn't not just because I love a horror films that looks real, but also because I knew that that way the actors were going to be exposed to real things. That's why I decided also to shoot the the film in a real forest. When sometimes it's films, you know, the first instinct is, the first instinct is always to just you know build it on the stage. And, um, and I thought you know that was uh, that was going to be, that was going to be a betrayal to the spirit of the original film. So I felt that we had to go and be in the woods and spend long nights in the wood, and everybody was freezing to death. But that's that's the way I think movies should be done, and um and and also for the actors of the other day, all that was, were real things. So they could, you know, the performances they're not faking it all the time. You know, when they're scared, sometimes I would surprise them with real jumps. You know, when they were gonna, uh, they were, sometimes I I kept them in the in the dark about some scenes and some moments of the, of the movie so they could react in a more truthful way. Um, yeah, I was really pushing them to 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 have the real experience, you know, because I knew if they were having a real experience, that they, they will tra- that will translate into their performances. Awesome. Now you came from someone that worked on short films before this with pretty low budgets, and now you're going to this big budget studio movie, um, and also a movie that's iconic. You know, an iconic franchise that uh, people adore. So how are you handling? working on short films that cost, you know, hundreds or thousands of dollars um, versus this one where you have a bigger budget and you're remaking such an iconic franchise. I just want, just curious how, how you kind of went about and handled that. Well, the budget is never a problem. It's never, it's never a problem to have a good budget. <laughs> I mean, that's never going to be a problem. It's going to be a good thing. But the other day, even, the, I mean, this, the, for a horror movie, there was a good budget, but it, even we have to be very resourceful and, and come up with ideas to, you know, to be able to make the look, the, the movie look even bigger, right? But, uh, you know, I just, I don't know, it's just, uh, 
I'm a big fan of movies, but I'm a bigger fan of filmmaking itself. I, I fell in love with it since I, was, since I was very young, and I always loved to learn the craft, you know, like, every aspect of it. Not, not as a director, because I never thought of myself as a director. It's just like I was doing everything that was film-related. I would do. I did music for my films in the past. I even played the piano on the soundtrack of this film in some parts. So I, it's something that I love, just about every every aspect of the filmmaking except act i would never be able to do that but the rest i think i did it all in there so i think it was really helpful you know when it came down to make the movie and and, and also like it just helps if the director knows a little bit of everything so when it came down to you know do the visual effects and all that, that that's, that's a field that i know so it really helped me a lot like uh, and it makes it makes it very easy. Sometimes people ask me, like, how it is to come from a short to two hundred dollars short to a movie? Like, it's hard. And my answer is always the same. Like, the hard part is to make a three hundred dollars alien invasion movie with no money and nothing. That, that's the hard part. Then when you, you have the resources to make something, it's always awesome and it's always a pleasure. And in Hollywood, you have the chance to be surrounded by amazing actors and great and, and great, you know, and a great team. So all that was great. And then regarding the challenge of. Uh, of remaking a classic, I, I know I was such a fan of the original, and I, and and you know, and Sam Raimi's movies in general, and I think that's part of the reasons why Sam gave me the movie, otherwise he would have never given me this movie. And um, because I know that all that universe, and uh, I mean, most of my friends they're all like freaks of horror and all that, so I, I know my audience, I, I know I know who I'm making this film for, in many levels. So I always felt great about it. I, I, I wasn't rewriting it. I, I wasn't overwriting anything. I wasn't trying to make a movie that was going to take the place of another. I just wanted to make a new story. That's why I decided to go with different characters. I decided to go with a different setup. I mean, the setup is completely different. But but we we were very careful, and and we I think we did a with my friend Roto, the, my co-writer. He's my best friend since we were kids. Um, together with I think we, we managed to do a good job, like bringing the ideas of the of the original and fitting them in this new story without feeling without feeling forced, right? Without feeling, without feeling that we were just trying to put those ideas there. And so, so, so that's why I was, I, it was pressure, but I always felt that it was just awesome to be making an Evil Dead movie and be part of this family and having the chance to, you know, like make a movie that is called Evil Dead. I just, I, I was always, always thinking about just the, the cool side and the great side and the, and the honor of making one and not the scary part of, you know, of the pressure, right? And so I guess kind of in the same topic there, I, I read somewhere where you went online and kind of started researching clips. Obviously, you've seen the Evil Dead movies in the past, but just uh, referencing kind of clips of Raimi's work and trying to not necessarily mimic what he did, but bring some authenticity to the franchise, but still make it your own. So I'm just curious how much of that kind of research um, that you did, you actually included in the film when you were making it to try and make it your own uh, and stand out a little bit more from the original? Well, Sam was really pushy with the fact that he wanted me to make my own film. Even when I was trying to bring more elements from the original film, he will be very insistent with that idea. He will be like, Fede, I want you to make your film. This has to be your film. You know, don't, you know, you don't need us, don't, you don't depend, don't depend on us and all that. He was really, really pushy, which was awesome. You know, he was... Uh, he, he really wanted me to have my own film. So he really gave us all the freedom to do it. So he never forced me to do something that I didn't want. He never really forced me to, to put something that I didn't want to. They never made me shoot something I didn't believe in. 
so they they were the best producers you can ask for, you know, because they gave him all the freedom. I mean, he, the, every everything goes down to the fact that he wanted this to be an author film. He he wanted he wanted this film to come from a writer director that would have all the freedom to work to do whatever he wanted because that's the spirit of the original film. And he he wanted to make sure that that, that translated into this one. And um, then as ideas, um, I think you know naturally. Every time you write something, um, you know, as a director, it's, it's, it's tricky, but as a writer, it's easier because you create a story. And um, as a writer, I think uh, you you take you take ideas from every other good stuff you've seen or read in the past. You know, from every experience you had to you know, like it's just usually it's a, it's a every movie, every creation is a huge ripoff of a hundred other things, just you know, blended together, and and that way you create something new. So it became a very more precise there probably of course we took a lot of from The Exorcist I think it's just a quintessential possession movie and it has the best ideas and it's kind of the the bible of the possession movie right so there's a mythology from that movie that is in every possession movie so we took a lot from there yeah, I think The Omen was also like a good reference for me as a, a good story of how you make the audience believe in the supernatural you know you have a character Mr. Thorne that doesn't believe in anything that is a politician that would never believe in the, in the occult and at the end, you have the guy ready to kill his son. So that and and and, and that journey, you you with him all the time. So that that was a great example of storytelling. How how do you make somebody believe in, in the supernatural when when they don't believe in anything? Um, so maybe that. And then and then there's a lot of you know a lot of other stuff. You know, I'm, uh, on the on the technique side, uh, I think Bram Stoker Dracula, the one that uh, Francis Ford Coppola directed, I think was a great example of how to make a movie with techniques of other times. And that's something that I wanted to do in this film. I, you know, that movie had a lot of very old school techniques, very old school, but they look amazing and that make the movie be timeless. You know, those movies, they don't age, they don't age at all. You know, you can watch that film, film today and they're still relevant, they're still amazing because they, they were conscious and not using, you know, top of the line technology to make the film. So that, that was something I didn't want to do in the film, just to, for that same reason, try to, to to keep the movie as timeless as possible and, and make sure the movie doesn't age. That's why we decided not to use CGI, right? So that's some few few of the few of the movies that we take we took inspiration from. And of course, all the Evil Dead movies, right? Now I want to ask you about um, Diablo Cody because early on we kept hearing she's involved in this project uh, from the very beginning, but then as the project kind of moved on, I heard less and less about her. So I was just curious about her actual involvement in the film. Um, I guess how much she contributed to the script and just kind of her role. If you could speak about that, please. Yeah. I mean, we, I mean, she did a, she did a great job at some point. I, I, when I finished my, my last draft with Roto, we, we wanted we asked for an American writer to come in to do just a pass on dialogues because we thought there was no way we were ever going to create realistic American dialogues just because it's not our first language and um so she was a she's a big evil dead fan so and she came on board to do that and and she did a polish on dialogue a little bit but uh without changing scenes without really changing any of the characters or the plot and and just naturally I think at the end we end up using very little of it so WGA you know they 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 um, kind of a, they have a jury and they they kind of decide on that and, and, and she didn't get her credit we just didn't use enough of her job okay well then that makes a little more sense um, now I'm just curious how hard was it to get a rating for Evil Dead um, that was acceptable for theaters because I know that there was 
some press that you had to cut like 15 minutes of the movie out to get a rated R um, rating to be able to get it into theaters. And I know that's been kind of um, a trouble for some people like Adam Green in the past with his Hatchet film um, that made it in theaters unrated but then was pulled. So I'm just curious, how much did you have to pull back uh, on Evil Dead but still keep it your vision? We, yeah, I mean, it was hard, but uh, they were very helpful, like ironically. And they were very helpful. Sometimes NBA can drive you crazy by not telling you why the movie is getting a bad rating um, or the, the, the rating you don't want. But And sometimes they're very precise. And in this case, they were very precise with us. You know, they said, like, there was this and this and that. They gave us, like, five notes on the on the first cut. And, um, and thank God we didn't have to get rid of those. We just had to get rid of five frames, ten frames in some moments, you know. And, you know, honestly, I think they help us to make a better movie because when 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 they tell you, okay, you can show this for 25 frames, you, you, you as a director, as a, you know, working with my editor, you want to make sure that those 25 frames you see are the best ones you have. So they end up helping us to have a, a sharper cut in a way, right? So and I, think, I don't think the movie bleed at all for, for, for the cuts down, you know. It's still the same movie that we had before. So you kind of touched on this before, but was there any part of you that was like, "Holy crap, I'm doing Evil Dead"? Uh, were you trying to make sure that you lived up to the standards or impressed anybody? Like, who were you scared most of impressing? Was it Sam Raimi, uh, Bruce Campbell, or just kind of the horror community as a whole? I would say neither. I would say myself. It was really uh, not impressing, but uh, I'm, I'm pretty demanding with myself and. And my work, and I always put a lot of pressure on myself. I try to to do the best job I can every time. I'm um, I'm quite obsessive with uh, with my work as a director, as a writer, and everything. So I, you know, really during the whole process, I was the toughest one to please in, in many levels. Because even when I when I had the the first draft was done, they loved it, and Sam was in love with the first draft, and Rob Taylor loved it, and I was still believing he wasn't. It wasn't 100% ready, and it wasn't good enough. And then we did a second draft, and they loved it too, and I was still believing it wasn't good enough. And then I cut the movie, and I finished my first cut, and I hated it. And I showed it to Sam Raimi. He loved it. And uh, so it was really, I think, the hardest person to please was myself. Uh, I'm, I'm, I just, it's just the way I work, I guess. I Every time I finish something, I really, really demand it with myself. So, And, and because I'm a... I'm a, I'm a Sam Raimi fan, and I'm an Evil Dead fan. I'm a, you know, I'm not. I, I wouldn't say I'm a horror fan because I don't watch every horror movie out there anymore. But I used to be, and um, so at the end of the day, I knew that if I was pleasing myself, it was if I was making a movie that I would love, I knew people out there were, were going to love it. That was something that uh, one of the best advices Sam gave me in the beginning, which was, Fede, you have to make uh, the movie you want to see in the theaters." Don't try to make the movie you you think I want to see. Don't try to make the movie that you think the audience wants to see. You have to make the movie you want to go and see in a the theater. That's the only way, because your instinct is the only thing we always have. We always have with you. So and I, and I was so right. It's so true, right? And at the end of the day, if you're faithful to you're truthful to your feelings and your desires and your taste, at the end of the day. What you hope is it's going to be an audience out there that feels just like you, right? And that's that's in every art form. I think it's like that. You have to do it kind of for yourself or what you believe is cool. You cannot do something trying to please somebody. That that sounds like failure. Uh, that's good insight. Um, now, as I mentioned early on, you shot on a really um, grueling schedule, something like seventy-seven days straight. Uh, I think I heard and. 
all while using practical effects. Um, so I'm curious, what was the most difficult scene to shoot using those practical effects for the actors, and uh, and why? Um, it's hard. But I guess a lot of things were so tough in this movie. Um, probably, I would say, everything in the cellar with Natalie and Mia on top of her, uh, the cutting of the tongue, the blood kiss, all those things, they were so tough for the actresses. And um, and also, you know, like as a director, you're trying to convince everybody that the that the way you want to do this is the right way, right? And and that was one of those days where, uh, you know, my idea of going 100% practical was kind of falling apart a little bit because what we were shooting was looking so bad. I remember the, the first time we did a first shot with the cut, with the tongue cut in half and we were puppeteering the fake tongue and everything. It looks embarrassing on set. But, uh, and then you have to, you know, you have to be courageous and keep going and keep going because everybody's going like I told you we should have gone with the CG tongue and uh, you have to believe in your vision and thank God we, we, we managed to pull it off and, and then on the editing we ended up cutting it away and looked, ended up looking great but um, it was something that it was one of those that really took a lot a lot of job to make to make that all those moments look real right well Fetty I know we're running long on time here so I just want to say once again thank you so much for joining us uh, everyone, check out Evil Dead. I know you're going to. It comes in theaters April 5th nationwide. It's already getting great praise from the uh, festival circuit down at South by Southwest and early screenings. Uh, so everyone check that out. And thank you once again, Fetty, for joining us. No, just thank you all, guys. Thank you all for, for a great question again. All right, thanks, man. Take care. And that does it for another edition of the Creepcast here on DownrightCreepy.com. Hope you enjoyed our time with Fetty Alvarez of Evil Dead. Uh, if you want to check out more interviews like this or our podcast, please get on iTunes, search for Creepcast on Downright Creepy. We're also available on Stitcher Radio or our website, downrightcreepy.com. So until next time, this is Casey Canton with my boomstick in my hand, saying thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Go to sleep.